Happy Monday. What a beautiful day it is. Heidi Glaus here with Josh Gilbert, Connor over on the board. And I got to tell you, our weekend was packed. I left here Friday and went to MC uh, a fundraiser for the Mighty Oaks Heart Foundation, which if you've never heard of it, Becky Ortel and her husband Greg started this after they lost their 14-month-old Oaks. If you've ever been to Olive and uh, Oak, there's a wall dedicated to Oaks. And after um, they went through this ordeal with him, 14 months old and I think was only home for one day Mm. of all of that, what Becky realized is how powerful it was to be by his side the whole time. And actually doctors said, you, you're probably helping him hang on by just being here with him the whole time. So they started this foundation that gives grants. Now it's across the country, whether it is paying utility bills or gas cards or you name it, so that parents can sit by the bedside of children that are having some sort of heart health issue and it's just it she is a heavenly person i love her but we uh we raised more than 280,000 with just 180 st louisans in the room which is always incredible and it's so funny because i hate doing live auctions we've talked and joked a little bit about how much i hate numbers and even trying to do that live auction and like, where am I in this thing? Am I at 500? Am I at 600? So I had called Becky that morning. I said, you care if my best friend does the live auction part? She's like, you guys do whatever you want. Sure. So I called my bestie, Danielle, and I'm like, have you ever done a live auction before? She's like, nope, but I'm willing to try. So we had the stage for a while and it was a a fantastic evening. And then yesterday, Danielle and uh, Sarah are new to town, so we thought we had to take them to the Purina Pet Parade. And I think they were thinking there'd be like 50 dogs. And, of course, we get to Soulard, and it's like four people deep for blocks and blocks and blocks and then hundreds, if not thousands, of dogs. We saw a a goat because it is a pet parade. Yeah. Uh, We saw a pig. Which was fantastic. And then as I was looking through pictures on the uh, Post-Dispatch website, I guess we missed a horse in somebody's front yard. So it was a busy weekend. And then, of course, we got the Grammys last night. So I didn't know you drive around Webster and you see all the hearts in people's front yards. That's a a Mighty Oaks thing Mm -hmm. in support. I didn't know that that's where the money went. Yeah. I that is it's such a sad story. But she has turned it into, they have turned it into something just so special. And when you sit there and you listen to her story and you listen to the other families who have been given money, it's just, uh, yeah, it, it breaks your heart, but then it warms it in the same sense. So we had a, a great time doing that. And then, the, as I said, the, the pet parade. And it was just a, a fantastic weekend all around. Um. I want to get to the Grammys, and I know that later on in the 4 o'clock hour, we're going to speak to the Washington Post's pop culture reporter about the Grammys. But 
this weekend we went. We had our own special weekend. It was yeah. my wife's birthday on Friday. Oh, well, happy birthday! We are on a diet. Uh huh. And we had a cheat weekend, so I'll tell you everything that we ate. But it was so nice on Saturday. We went to the zoo. Oh, what a beautiful day for that. Closed at 4, which they have to have, like, summer hours, right? I mean, it makes sense to close at 4 in the winter. Are you sure there wasn't an event going on? No, I don't think so. I think that was – it must be winter hours. I mean, normally – in the winter, it starts. The sun starts setting in the Early. four o'clock hour, so that would only make sense. Um, but Friday night we had, uh, and by the way, this is just for cheat's sake. Mm-hmm. You know, we're back on the diet this week, but we had the best pizza in town, Billy G's Pizza. Oh, and, so good! And their trashed wings. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and you know how much I love Dogtown, but there's a difference between getting a. a Pizza out. Yeah. Well, did you go out? You were actually there at Billy G's? She picked it up on her way home from work. Yeah. It, at Billy G's is so cool. Well, all of them. And don't forget the newest location there in Chesterfield, which they do some, I mean, they have all the great food that you expect from any of the, you know, Finer other diner. restaurants. But yeah, it's fantastic. And just the atmosphere is so cool. Pastoria, Saturday night. Mm. Mm-hmm. Which again is our favorite, and just let me let me just rattle off the thing. And we had so many leftovers of both that that's what we ate last night too. Pizza, cheese, yep, trashed wings, mm-hmm. chicken wings, pasta, bread. These are all the things that we can't yeah. have. All the things that we can't have, and they're just so good. And I stepped on the scale. Uh-huh. And granted, five days last week, I was. Down. I was good. Yeah. I stepped on the scale. I didn't gain a pound. Seriously. So, you know, I didn't lose anything. But you stayed. Yeah. So and again, our next... here's where I'd say men and their metabolism. I know. I know. But... So the next cheat weekend is going to be the Super Bowl. I am, you know, my wife's like, what are we going to eat? And I'm like, let's get a, a menu going. Yeah. You know, what are the necessary? She goes, what dips do you want? I said, all of them. <laughs> I want all the dips. So it's just one of those things when you start eating healthy and really watching what you eat, man, the good stuff tastes even better. Well, speaking of, on Wednesday, we're going to talk to one of the uh, butchers at Deerberg's to kind of give us some ideas about what you can pick up for that big Super Bowl party, things that are easy or little things that you can do because that meat market gracefully without a lot of cosmetic surgery. Uh, then kind of slamming Madonna, they Beyonce, yeah, uh, persona. Uh, I'm here. You can love me. It's okay to do that. Other than that, stay away is the way they describe that. If Kansas City loses, they would have been blaming Travis for being at the Grammys instead of preparing. I agree. Do we have to have so many attorneys and non-famous people mentioned in the memorial? Josh, football is his job. Sure, but my job is this. But at six, I get to go home and do whatever I want. You right? Do. <laughs> right? I mean, that's do my you? point. I think they, what they meant to say is football is his life. Then I'd be, oh, okay. Well, if it's his life. Well, I think for a lot of those guys, it is. It's a short time, and they are, you know, they're preparing a lot more than you. It, it's not just their practices. I know. I, I would get just it. need some proof that none of them are hitting the strip. Right. Since they're in yes. Vegas, it's Ex- media yes. day. So did none of them go to the casino afterwards? None of them are taking in the show have with you their seen wife? Any, have or... you ever seen, I, have I you seen pictures yet? Not yet. No, Not but yet. maybe 
because it's just a normal thing. And I'm not saying going crazy, but, you know, they, it's not like they go right from the hotel to the practice field and back. I'm with the texter. If if there was any question about his play on the field, they would have blamed the Grammys. It's best just to stay away. But yeah. as a person who has no involvement in this, I'm, you know, it would have been nice to see him there, you know. A nice Sunday night. I think he would have loved to have been there on any other probably weekend as far as that goes. Somebody said, did you mention Fantasia doing Proud Mary? She did an outstanding job. She did. Yeah, you did mention Fantasia. Yeah, she was fantastic. Billy Joel was great. I thought they wrapped that oh, up at the end. At the end, he yeah. does his performance of his new song, which was cool. Mm-hmm. They give out the award, and then they say, thanks for coming. Here's Billy Joel one more time. He's playing... Um, you may be right, it may yeah. be crazy, and people are getting up and walking out because the show's over. The show's over. I'm yeah. like, well, that's you know, it's, Billy Joel is playing his most one of his most fun songs. Take it in and then go get your limo. Okay, here's somebody quoting, and I did read part of this the other day. I wish I could go support Taylor at the Grammys, watch her win every single award she's nominated for. I got practice Saturday, Sunday is a travel day. Unfortunately, I've got to get ready for that big old Super Bowl that. Uh, we've got in a oh, week. Oh, Sunday's a travel day. So, Oh, they didn't even get there till Sunday. Anyway, it's 3.32. we got to get to Captain Paul Kopsky. Keep the text line hopping like you guys are. Woods Basement Systems text line 84126. Hey, Captain Paul, how's the tra- traffic look? Heidi, the latest is a one-vehicle crash on 55 South before Arsenal. There's a stalled vehicle with three emergency vehicles parked behind it, blocking the right lane on 270 North past 55, but it's not causing a big slowdown. We also have stalled cars on the 270 North exit to Tesson Ferry on 70 West past Jennings Station and on the shoulder on westbound 70 at Branch. And there's debris in the roadway on 170 North past Olive, blocking the right lane. From the KTRS Traffic Center, I'm Captain Paul Kopsky on the Big 550 KTRS. Somebody else said I think it's kind of like having bubble wrap wrapped around Travis Kelsey because they don't want anything to happen to one of their star players before the Super Bowl either. I mean, that's walking down the red carpet. Travis, oh, we just twisted his knee. Oh, non-contact injury. That doesn't look good. (laughs) Crazier things have happened. You know, know. it's it's nuts. However, they're training. They are these crazy, uh, you know athletic humans and you can actually tap into that inner athletic you maybe you want to you know look a little bit better maybe you want to feel better maybe you want to fit into that other pair of jeans that you used to fit into you can start that journey at club fitness the ultimate fitness experience what's really cool in my opinion about club fitness as you have everything under one roof if you're more in to those smaller boutique studios where you see the one-offs well club fitness has that with the pulse studio and the women's training studio and the cycle studio but then you also have all of the group exercises you could possibly want i mean there's more than 400 to choose from you also have the dry saunas and the red light therapy but even cooler is there's not just specific hours club fitness and by the way there are 19 of them in the st louis area they're each open 24 7 so you don't have to worry and fit your schedule around whenever the gym is open club fitness is open 24 7 there's a kids club there's a smoothie bar you can do personal training if that's something you'd rather do you can learn more clubfitness.us just check out all the different membership levels uh find the closest club fitness to you clubfitness.us 
Is this the CBS theme? I think so. The game's it on. Is. And it's on CBS. CBS. It's on CBS. Okay. Yeah. All right. With the Super Bowl approaching, have you ever wondered how Vegas seems to get so darn close? Paul Franzen did. He actually writes for a Michigan State Spartans blog, but focuses on spread and Vegas lines. He joins us uh, to talk about his mathematical deep dive. Thanks for joining us. No problem. Thanks for having me, you too. So let's start with, does Vegas usually get it right? I would say that yes, they do. I would say that, but it's important to note that they get it right on average, but there's an awful lot of chaos in sports, and so there's a tremendous amount of variation in that. So they're right on average. On average. What are they looking at to get it so close? Well, that's hard to say, and I should say that I I don't actually have deep knowledge of how Vegas actually gets these numbers, but I can I have a pretty good guess based on a lot of years at looking at some of these numbers. So my best guess is that they take a lot of you know very advanced statistics, and I think those statistics have gotten more you know complicated over time as we've you know had a lot more computing power to look at them. But you know, very simple, they can just look at final scores. They can look at things like points per possession or third down conversions or passing yards, rushing yards, whatever. And my guess is that they take all of those numbers and they kind of put it through the computer meat grinder and they will get some sort of, you know, single number for each team. And then you compare those two numbers and that spits out a point spread. Um, and so, you know, and if you do that over a, a very long period of time, so they can then um, adjust those numbers based on kind of things that they just know. So I think they start with a computer number and then they use people to adjust that number. So maybe the quarterbacks hurt or maybe, you know, if it's the college game, maybe the wide receiver's girlfriend broke up with them. Like, you know, who knows? Everybody's speculated <laughs> on, you know, what this little subtle information is and, you know, is it going to be raining that day? And so my best guess is they take a lot of stats, they, they get one number that the computer spit out, and then they adjust that based on other intangibles that they just know about because they've been doing this for decades. And you did uh, college football spreads dating back to 2001. And is this for every single football game? I mean, how many games are, are there every Saturday? And, you know, there's uh, 10, 9, 10, 12 weeks long for 20-something years. Did you, you plotted all of this? I did, yes. I actually, there are a couple of websites where you can pull historical spread data. And I, I found a, one, I think it's called the Prediction Tracker website if somebody, you know, wants to check it out. But they have just, you know, spreadsheets that you can download that have all this data. And, yes, I have a spreadsheet that's got all, all of the games. Are, it's probably not like every single one, but, you know, it's the vast majority of them, all the way to 2001. And there's over 15,000 games in that in that spreadsheet. And, 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 so, and Yeah, go ahead. And I was just going to say, how did how did Vegas do? Can you put a percentage on it? Is did they get within a, a point or a half point either side? Well, the, the way it works is, as I say, there Vegas is correct on average. So if I'm to plot all of those data points, so if you take like if a team's favored by ten points, and you take all the games over, you know, this twenty year period where the uh, team was favored by ten points, they win by an average of ten points, almost spot on. But there's a huge variation there. So if you're familiar with like what a bell curve looks like, if you, if you plot all of those games, it makes this little bell-shaped curve. And the width of that curve is 10 points, or no, 14 points for football. It's 10 points for basketball, incidentally, or at least college basketball. So that means, and if you, if you, if you 
you know, depending on your math background, which you don't need to know, but, you know, if you know the, the properties of this bell curve, that means that two-thirds of the time, Vegas is correct within two touchdowns, hmm. which is kind of crazy if you think about it, because it's that means that a third, of the time, if, a third of the time, they're off by more than two touchdowns. So that means if you're favored by 10, you know, two-thirds of the time, you're either going to win by more than 24 points, or you're going to win by, you know, maybe only four. But then a third of the time, you, you might win by 28 or 38, or you might lose by, you know, two points or less. So, and that's very mathematically reproducible. And so you can just plot this on a curve and you say, like, for example, you know, I believe the Super Bowl, the spread now is running around two points for San Francisco. So there's a 55% chance they're going to win. There's a 45% chance they're going to lose. And that's very reproducible over years and years and years. So interesting. And then what about the upsets? Is the upset really something that you couldn't foresee? Or is it something that maybe we did see, we just didn't put a lot of stock in? I think upsets are also very kind of, they're predictable over like a a very large sample size. So again, if there's like, um, a team is like a 21-point underdog in football. Um, the 21-point favorite is going to win, and I have a, a table I'm looking at, 93% of the time. <sighs> but that means that 7% of the time, almost 1 in 10, that 21-point underdog will win. And the thing is, there's not that many games where the spread is that high. So you just don't see it very often. But like um, in the college game, for example, because there's just more games, and um, and I have better. I just have better data for the college game. But there's the, the NFL game and the college game for this purpose should function the same way because the the amount of time of the game and the, the rules are all the same. Um, but basically, a 25 point um, underdog will win in the college game about one time per year, um, just because that's how often it happens and that's how many games there are, and it's extremely predictable. And on your your graphs, do you see one outlier, like one big blowout or one a huge upset that you can look at and go, "Oh yeah, I remember that game." Um, well, in the uh, in the college game, I think um, the one, the biggest upset, like um, I don't know if it's the biggest upset on record, but I think it is. I believe it was Stanford coached by a certain Jim Harbaugh mm. um, upset USC, and they were like a thirty eight point underdog or Ooh. something like that. Um, I think that's the largest one on record, and that's like less than one percent chance that that would happen. Um, and then some of the other big upsets, and I know that we're mostly talking about football. But I've, I actually have quite a bit more data about basketball. And if you think of something like, you know, the number uh, 16 versus the number one seed upset, so like Purdue, um, and I actually have a degree from Purdue, but that's okay. Um, Purdue got upset by Farley Dickinson in a 116 upset, and that's only happened twice in history. But if you actually look at the, the, the Vegas spreads for that game, um, you would find that the upset should happen about 1% of the time. And there's been about 140 or so of those 160 matchups. There's been two upsets over, over history. So it's, you know, you can't pick which upset it's going to be, but I can, but you can tell that well, there's probably going to be about one out of every 100 times it happens. And, and that's then, basically true. If you pick that upset, you're going to go home with a lot more money. That's right. But you got to pick the right upset. Yeah, but yeah. You, you would be having to pay off all your bills with it because picking the upset every time. Ain't going to happen very often. It's not going to pay off. (laughs) Nope. Paul Franzen, thank you so much for joining us and walking us through these crazy numbers. Well, thank you for having me today. Jury deliberations are underway in Jennifer Crumbly's involuntary manslaughter trial. She's the mom of that Oxford High School student who carried out a 
mass shooting. Derek Dennis, ABC News correspondent, joins us with the latest on this. Hey, Derek. Hi there. So the jury has uh, wrapped up for the day. They sent a note to the judge saying they'd like to pick up deliberations tomorrow, but they've been deliberating for most of the day. Uh, We got a couple of jury questions. Uh, One was uh, just the the definition of involuntary manslaughter. That's what Jennifer Crumbly, the mom, is charged with. Uh, and and how it could be proven. Another question is uh, whether Ethan Crumbly, the shooter, the the son of Jennifer Crumbly, his lack of a presence in this case, whether they should infer anything about it. He's not been called or wasn't called as a witness. Uh, Those are the jury questions. Uh, Reading between the lines, it seems like the jury's having a, a, a tough time here coming to a consensus over whether Jennifer Crumbly uh, should be convicted of involuntary manslaughter. Was she grossly negligent as a parent? Uh, and did she turn uh, away from her child and allow this mass shooting to happen knowing that he was troubled? Uh, those are the questions that the jury's uh, trying to get to the bottom of and consider. I mean, it is just a one-of-a-kind trial, but you see video of her with him at a shooting range. You see pictures of his room, which it seems like there are a few, you know, maybe hints that something is going on there. But then you also have school officials who didn't even go through his bag. Yeah, I mean, that, 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 that's really the, the, the problem with this case. I mean, you've got evidence on both sides. On the one hand, you're right. Uh, there are hints of uh, a troubled child, uh, access to a gun. In fact, Jennifer Crumbly and, and their husband, the dad, uh, are accused of helping him get the gun uh, that was used in the shooting. And then on the other hand, you've got school officials who who, who didn't press harder, didn't search his backpack, didn't, uh, you know, insist that he be sent home from school after drawings and writings on his homework and class assignments indicated he was uh, having problems and, and, and had was having threatening thoughts. Uh, And so that's what the jury has to decide, whether they're going to decide guilt or innocence. They've got to consider all of that evidence on both sides. So my question is, where is the dad? And is he charged with the exact same thing? Is that trial set for a different time? Did they bring put uh, the father on the stand? And I guess I didn't even think about it. But how do you not have to get the son to testify as well. I mean, this is a pretty serious crime. His mom is looking at serious jail time. Sure. So the father is charged with the very same charges, but they ruled that the, his trial would be handled separately. Uh, that'll come up in early March. Uh, as for why Ethan Crumbly was never charged, uh, or, or at least uh, he was charged, I should say, and, and convicted, um, uh, he pleaded guilty. Uh, in the case and is currently in prison, life in prison without parole, but he was not brought as a witness against his mom. Uh, And and the jurors seem to want to know why, and we don't know what the answer was to that. Uh, Their question was sort of a phrase, should we infer anything into that, the fact that he was not called as a witness? Uh, The judge said no, uh, that you should not look into that, but you should look at the facts and only the facts in the case Leave your sympathies, your biases uh, at the door uh, of the jury room. And so uh, we don't know, uh, but a lot of eyes are on this trial. The first in the nation where a parent is on trial 
uh, for their child's actions in carrying out a school shooting. And, uh, you know, a lot of analysts are looking at this uh, to set a precedent of what parents uh, would be held responsible for when their child commits a crime like this. All right. Derek Dennis, ABC News correspondent. Thanks for your report. Thank you. Somebody on the text line saying, is it illegal for a family to go to a gun range together? And then saying, no, no I, that's not at all what I'm saying. I'm saying that was some of the evidence that they presented. I know that my family has gone to gun ranges before. I learned to shoot a gun at a very early age. I think that if you have, though, a gun, you need to know who has it and know the responsibilities of having something of that nature. Maybe the son, Ethan, was not put on stand because maybe he wasn't mentally fit. Maybe they didn't think that he was a uh, reliable well, I was going to say, it's as a parent, and I am not one. I am just a fun aunt who loves my niece and nephew more than anything. I know right now that if I was in any sort of trouble, I wouldn't want them to be the ones that would have to be on a stand and ask questions about my behavior. I wouldn't do that to them. So here you are having this mother who already is, you know, probably feeling all of this angst about her son. I mean, there's video of her in the car saying he just ruined his life. I can't imagine that she would want to put him through anything else. I just don't. You bring the parents in. You've got all these drawings. You have uh, suspect suspects. You're suspecting him of possibly doing one of these crimes, but you didn't search him that day. And later on, he did do the crime. I I just don't get why they didn't. But we also don't know what the school policy is. Do they have to have more than that? What what more do you need? Well, (laughs) different schools have different policies. Right. And there are certain, you know, rules that you can't go into a kid's locker or you can't. I think that's ridiculous. That's fine. Until it's your kid, and they're going in and they don't find anything. Yeah, so I, you have a lot of different uh, rules in place, and there's not like some standard over different states. There's not a federal rule when it comes to checking a kid's bag at schools. I mean, we can go into all of the privacy issues that I don't think a lot of parents want somebody checking their kid's bag. Well, in a case like this where he is suspected of possibly being a school shooter, I think it's okay. And frankly, this is not an umbrella statement, but when kids walk into school, I think they lose a lot of their personal rights. I would say that was the case when you and I were in school. Not the case these days. Hmm. Back in the days when I was young, I'm not a kid anymore. But some days I sit and wish I was a kid again. 105 years ago on this date, February 5th, 1919, Charlie Chaplin, Mary Pickford, Douglas Fairbanks all got together to create United Artists, the movie studio. I never thought about that name being literal. Mm. The artists themselves created their own movie studio. And I wonder if it still exists today or if it's been gobbled up by one of the bigger guys. 2001, Kelly Ripa officially replaced Kathy Lee yeah. as Regis's co-host. He ended up leaving in 2011. And in 2002, Winona Ryder pled innocent to four felony shoplifting charges. 2002, it was that long ago, 22 yeah. years ago. And yet we still remember it. Yeah. 
Our headlines for this Monday afternoon, February 5th, Pavilion. New sushi restaurant for acclaimed chef Nick Bonner to open on the hill. The acclaimed chef Asado on the hill and Indo in Botanical Heights has announced his next project. It's going to be a ticketed sushi restaurant. It's slated to debut this spring in a glass pavilion at Sado which is 5201 Shaw Avenue. Pavilion will feature the Omakase style of dining, in which diners leave the selection and order of dishes to the chef. No. The James Beard Foundation named Sato a semifinalist for Best New Restaurant Nationwide in its annual culinary awards. I think he did something like this at the beginning uh, when he opened Indo. But when it comes to sushi... I'm not as adventurous yes, as exactly. I am with other uh, cuisines, and so I don't know that I would be as brave. You know but I'm my, sure it's going to be fantastic. I mean, he's brilliant. He is, and we ate on one of the last weekends at Niponte when it was out on Manchester across the street from Darren's. Then he moved to Sado on the hill. It was one of the best meals I've ever had. Yeah. But I ordered... The what food, my, what I wanted. You know how much I hate mushrooms. You know how much. Yeah, you. I'm so picky about certain things, and then I'm gonna get the eel roll or something. You know, I. Yeah. You know, and not to say he would do this, but I don't want the chef looking around the kitchen going, oh, "What do we have too much of?" Uh, you know. <laughs> well, I do think that's a lot of times how they come up with specialties. I am so impressed by people who are adventurous and will just trust the chef to make them something good and on certain days if they knew my aversions yeah yeah as long as you keep mushrooms and onions and and this and that out of it but just to walk in and just say i'll have whatever you're throwing out there i don't think so he was his restaurant was so good when we went i mean they continue to be yeah so i if there was somebody that i could trust yes but to your point sushi Mm -hmm. ooh. Hard, hard roll to swallow. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We've been waiting for this. The Battlehawks have put out their schedule. Games start in April and they end in June. Summer football. Spring league. More like summer league. Yeah, I want to talk to Brendan about this because it seems like they've slid the whole season a little bit, haven't they? Yeah. I mean, it used to start a couple weeks after uh, the Super Bowl was over. Now it's going to start a month and a half afterwards. I think last year it might have started the next week. That's what it felt yeah. like. I think it was might have been the actual next week. We're pushing it to uh, the last game is going to be in June. Uh, summer football. It sounds cool. But hopefully the last game for the Battlehawks is in late June and is played on home turf. The UFL announced that the championship game, the Super Bowl, if you will, of the new UFL will be held right here in St. Louis at the Battle Dome. You mean even if we're not in it? Even if we are not oh, in it. Oh, that's a big deal. They said the UFL recognizes just how strong spring football has been in St. Louis as the city was Take rewarded that, with the title game at the Dome at America Center, or as hey. I like to call it, the Battle Dome. Yeah. So hopefully hopefully we're actually in the game, though. Well, here's what I'm excited about. Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Stevie Nicks coming to St. Louis this spring. She's bringing her tour to Enterprise Center May 7th. Tickets go on sale Thursday with local pre-sales and then on Friday to the general public. Did you hear Max talking about it, though? No, what did he say? He said the top-tier ticket for Stevie Nicks. Where's she playing? Enterprise Center. It was like 900 bucks. And that, I mean... But that's already on the other markets. That's not the yeah. actual ticket price. It's what 
in my opinion, is the problem with all of these shows that we're already seeing these ticket prices and they haven't even gone on sale yet. Yeah. It's who's buying these up and selling them. How? How and are why? they? why? Yes, why is it allowed? Um... I will have mentioned there's a band, the Red Knot Chili Peppers, oh. one of these fun tribute <laughs> yeah. bands. And on Facebook, I was looking into it. I was like, this might be fun. And one of the commenters said, $20 for a cover band? I'm like, I I would have paid 25 Yeah. You know? I would have paid 20 for Kim Massey back in the day. Yeah. I loved everything she did. Don't tell that guy what actual concert tickets cost these days. If 20 is a bridge too far. But the Red Knot Chili Peppers at Delmar Hall, that might be fun. Yeah. Um, we talk about electric cars all the time when Darren comes in here. He thinks that we just aren't ready for it infrastructure-wise. But mm-hmm. the market report is out. California has sold 25% of their new cars as electric cars. It's up from 18.5% the previous year. So an interesting look at who's buying electric cars in the state of California, 25%. Yeah. Most of those, by the way, top three, different models of Tesla. Are they? Yeah. I, I get that. They've been doing it longer. They have. And so maybe, you know, as we... Maybe s- their infrastructure... Is a little bit better yeah. than the rest. I don't know. But if you are in the market and you're looking for a car and you want to call Big D, do it. You know, there are also other ways that you can get a loan for your car. Together Credit Union has really been our go-to um, in so many different ways. For our home equity line of credit, we've done it twice. We've, I think we did it back in COVID to get our golf cart. We just didn't want to tap into our savings. And then we did it when we wanted to redo our bathroom. Together Credit Union offers so many great deals and as I have mentioned earlier, I've been shut off when it comes to doing projects because I do love a project. But we're going to try to save some money. And a great way to grow your money is with a limited-time CD promotion that Together Credit Union is doing. They have a couple right now. First, it's an 11-month CD term with a 5.40% annual percentage yield. Now, I don't know numbers, but the folks at Together Credit Union can help you with that. The second is a 19-month CD term with a 5.00% annual percentage yield. Both of those require a minimum balance of $1,000, but if you have that and you turn to Together Credit Union 11 months or 19 months, you will be making Money And who doesn't want to do that? You can visit TogetherCU.org to learn more. Swing by uh, one of their locations. But, again, the other thing that's so great is when you do stop by or when you call them, you're not going to be dealing with some random person or some robot. You're really going to get to know the people because Together Credit Union also focuses on customer service. TogetherCU.org. Last night, Taylor Swift made history with her fourth album of the year win. But, of course, Taylor has been making headlines all year. What's the infatuation with the pop star? It's something Emily Yar with the Washington Post has actually taken a deep dive into. She joins us with what she's learned. Thanks for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me. You wrote, Taylor spent years making everyone feel like her best friend. Is that the secret to her success? 
Yeah, I think it, it really is. Um, you know, Taylor Swift started out as a country star, and that's a genre where artists are really encouraged to think of their fans as their peers um, and as their friends. And so she really started building that community from when she was a teenager and has done such a good job of it um, using social media. She used to sometimes show up at fans' houses that they really followed her throughout her career. And, yeah, that still holds today. Well, I mean, two things for me come to mind. When my uh, cousin was young, I mean, a young teenager, she went to a show here in St. Louis. Her mom or dad came out into the audience and was handpicking people to go backstage to a pizza party, which, of course, you're never going to forget. And then she popped in to my small hometown in southeast Missouri to surprise an 80-year-old fan. I mean, people don't do that when they are of her stature. Yeah, no, that's so funny. I do remember that um, from, yeah, some of her earlier tours. Um, her mom would go through the audience and pick fans, you know, up in who were had really, you know, terrible seats, and they but they looked so excited, and she would surprise them and bring them backstage to meet Taylor. And, yeah, she's done this throughout her career. She's always made it very clear that the fans um, come first, and it comes across as very genuine. And, yeah, you really do feel like you know her, and I think that served her so well. What do you make of all the backlash? And I think it's uh, even before this whole uh, Travis Kelsey football fan uh, thing. And by the way, uh, fans of football, there's whole channels in in podcasts and every devoted to this football game coming up. But you mentioned Taylor Swift and they lose their minds. Uh, What do you make of the backlash even from way back then, though, of her? I think that, um, yeah, she, she sometimes can be a polar, polarizing artist. I think sometimes she just seems like she is everywhere all the time. And I think I, I've heard that a lot from people now. Even if you don't necessarily follow your music, you're not a fan of hers, you just see her everywhere. Like in headlines about stories you wouldn't even dream of, you know, of that angle, and she's there. So I think that um, maybe overexposure a little bit um, tends to get people pretty upset and you know naturally when she's at a football game you know and you've probably seen the stories she's so non-screen for maybe a total of 20 seconds throughout a whole game but there's just something about those images that then get spread all over the internet and you feel like you're seeing her all the time and that has yeah really riled some people up but emily the effect that she has had on the nfl is just mind-blowing do you have numbers on that I don't know if they have specific numbers, but I know that I think ratings. She she went to nine Chiefs games this season, and the, you know all three playoff games, and you could see like the rating increase um, when she was there. And I mean that could, that could be dependent on a few factors, but you know anecdotally, a lot of people now are watching football that had zero interest in watching football in the past, and it is purely to see her um, and her you know celebrity friends cheering in in the suite. So it seems like she's yeah taught, taught a lot of Swifties about football too. Uh, the Swifties have now become experts in airline travel and they have uh, made a timeline of how she can make it back to Vegas for the Super Bowl. She's about to perform a couple of shows in Japan and uh, that's all fine and well. We've done it here on this show as well and said, oh, she could definitely make it back in time. Has she said publicly, though, that she will be there? She has not, um, which is so funny. Everybody is sort of just assuming she'll show up because they've looked at the, you know, the maps of the world and they've, you know, she has a private jet and she can get from Tokyo to Las Vegas with plenty of time. Um, so she has not confirmed it, but given that she's been at all the other playoff games, um, I, I do think there's there's a pretty good chance she'll be there. I'm just excited to see what other celebrity friends she brings to the game. So true. And, you know, what's really interesting is although we keep seeing headlines and pictures, we don't know a lot about Taylor and Travis's relationship. 
Yeah, and this is um, what I wrote about, which I thought was so interesting. You know, they seem like this very public-facing couple. You see their photos everywhere. They've showed up publicly. Um, but they really have been really strategic in how much information they've actually shared with, with you know, their fans. Like, we kind of vaguely know how we, they met. We know that Travis gave Taylor a shout-out on his podcast. She responded. Um, they had been dating for about a month before she went to that first game. But, yeah, they um, really ha- haven't shared much, and, and I think fans are eager for – every single detail and so everything that you do learn is treated as yeah this like precious gem of information and they will take anything that they can get after she won her first grammy yesterday she uh during her acceptance speech said i've been keeping a secret from you all for the past year and it was about her new album which is coming out but i thought she was going to say that they secretly got married (laughs) and this has been going on for years and and we just now learned about it I know. As soon as she said, yeah, I, I've been keeping a secret, you could just hear, like, everyone gasp. Like, there are so many places she could be going with that. Um, a lot of people thought she was going to announce um, her next re-release, uh, Reputation, Taylor's version. There were a lot of theories online all day that everyone was convinced. And when she said there was a new album, um, yeah, it, it, that was a truly shocking moment. But I don't think she gets enough credit for just being a really smart businesswoman. Yeah, um, this is also, I I agree. Um, I think a lot of that conversation kind of gets lost because there's so much interest um, in her personal life a lot of times. But yeah, and this is something else that she's been doing since she was a teenager. She is such a savvy um, marketer, you know, of of her music. She has sort of always figured out how to just make people interested over and over. And she, yeah, has just kind of built this empire. So I agree. I know she was just number one, I think, on Billboard's like powerless. So she is getting um, some attention in that area. But yeah, I also think that is that is not talked about enough. Is there a historical comparison that we can look back at and just say who else has done it the way that she has? I think she really is kind of a once-in-a-generation star from from the combination of everything she's done. Um, I mean, I think the most common comparison I kind of heard while covering the Eras Tour for the last year has been Beatlemania, just in the sense of the crowd reaction to her and the fact that people will, if they can't get tickets to her show, 20,000 of them will be outside the stadium singing and dancing. So I've sort of seen this called like the modern day Beatlemania with friendship bracelets. And Emily, I'm going to admit this is, I'm part of the problem here. And when I said, is there a, a comparison? I'm running through the Rolodex of females through history. I didn't even think of comparing her to the Beatles, which I think is apt. Yeah, there's there are very few acts um, in history who have been able to sort of yeah just spur this kind of intense fan loyalty and reaction. And um, ob- I mean, obviously, there are other huge tours this summer. Um, you know, Beyonce is one of them. Like, she, there's similar like very devoted fan base. Um, but yeah, Taylor has just has really built something um, so unique, and it's, it's hard to think of a comparison really for everything she's done as a whole. Just, yeah, th- throughout music history. Well, as I mentioned, I mean, you really have kind of done a deep dive. Have you learned anything about her that you could share that maybe was surprising to you that we don't know? Um, I think like her like inner circle keeps things um, very very quiet. I think for good reason, um, just just for security and everything. So yeah, I mean I'm just like constantly surprised. I think the more I talk to people about her, um, the more I have found people who like have had personal interactions with her or sort of you know they you know she's an artist that they love, but they they she either you know. She, she met them behind the scenes at a concert or maybe they commented or she commented on their Instagram like that all the fans um, really feel like 
they personally know her. And that's just so striking as you talk to people at these shows and it kind of just gives you a better understanding um, into the reactions that she gets and the relationship she has with her fans because they really truly do think of her as a friend. And so in all of your work covering her, is what we see really the Taylor Swift or is this a persona? I mean, it seems to be like very, I mean, from what I've heard, like it's very similar, uh, yeah, behind the scenes than she is um, in public. I mean, obviously you can tell like she controls everything, I think, in her, um, just in her business, in her world. Um, And that was sort of an interesting insight that we've gotten over the years, just even brief glimpses of her, you know, running a meeting at her company. Like she is really the person who is in charge of everything. So, I mean, I think if you maybe like see her in concert or her, you know, her dancing like at an award show, um, you wouldn't really think of her as someone who's also, you know, the entire look of the room. They can also repair tile, fix and match tile that maybe uh, you have some on hand. They can also recommend places to get the tile. And then, like I mentioned, just the recalking. I thought it was going to be something easy to do. And years ago, I tried to do it in a bathtub. And all I saw was the place that I redid it. And it was messy. And I, of course, couldn't you know, take my eyes off of that. They can also, like, just the color ceiling and the recalking and the clear ceiling, they really can do it all. Each job is unique, and Matt provides an estimate for the most cost-efficient solution, which I think that is what's really cool. So if you want to call uh, the Grout Medic of St. Louis, that's 636-317-8860. You can also go online, groutmedicstl.com. Just be sure to mention that myself or you know, KTRS during when you're talking to Matt for that estimate, and you're going to receive 10% off any services needed. So that's really fantastic. And one more thing, just in case you don't know, most people don't realize that you're supposed to reseal your grout every year. And by the way, the grout medic can also color match that grout so you don't have to worry if it's been a while and you're like, oh, I was supposed to reseal that. No, you don't have to worry because cleaning and resealing just adds years to the life of that. The Grout Medic, groutmedicstl.com. You can also call 636-317-8860. Well, Southern California is just getting battered by rain. I don't know if you saw video of the performers trying to get from like the red carpet into the building last night and carrying just umbrella after umbrella, you know, just pouring down rain. Alex Stone, ABC News correspondent in L.A., joins us with the latest on this. I mean, we've got floods. We've got mudslides. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's been uh, just nonstop since about 11 a.m. yesterday. Hard rain coming down, and it is a line of storms coming in off the the Pacific. Actually, a storm that came down uh, out of Alaska and then met up with the atmospheric river coming in the Pineapple Express out of Hawaii, and they merged, and what comes out of Hawaii has a lot of moisture in it, uh, and that is what is just training over the area and has been since yesterday afternoon and won't end in some form until tomorrow night, and then... Uh, it'll be rain through Thursday, but but not quite as as heavy. This qualifies as a bomb cyclone, which is something that we don't get in California. That is an East Coast thing. But the pressure dropped so rapidly as it was coming ashore and making landfall, 
and the intensity ramped up so rapidly that, that it qualifies as that. But uh, we've got probably one more day of this uh, nonstop rain. And today, the, the fire chief a little while ago here in L.A. saying, Angelinos, as people here are called, don't let your guard up yet. It felt like things maybe got a little bit lighter today, but it's going to ramp back up tonight and get nasty again. And she said this. The hazards of the storm have yet not passed. And there are big worries about flooding and mudslides. There were 127 mudslides so far oh. today in the, the city of L.A. Some streets and neighborhoods, you know, have, have mud and, and have some flooding. There were a couple that were bigger. Uh, about 20 people were uh, displaced. They had to leave their homes because one home was wiped off its foundation and moved into the street uh, when, when mud uh, began flowing. This one, her car was buried in that mud, and, and she says, yeah, she can't get it out. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to dig it out, but... I put my hazards on so nobody hits it, I hope. Yeah, no one's going to be stealing it, I can tell you that. They, they're they not going to get it out of that mud anytime soon. But people are being told don't drive, work remotely from home if possible, that it's just they don't want people commuting and, and the weather going on. And, and the mayor is saying that's going to go for one more day. Stay safe and off the roads. Only leave your house if it is absolutely necessary. But they did keep school in session today, so people are saying, wait, this doesn't make any sense. You're telling us don't leave our home, only drive if it's necessary. The kids do have to go to school, but they they made the decision that it was safer to keep them in school than at home because of the, the rain and feeding them and making sure they're getting an education. So they went to school, but uh, a lot going on here right now. And the Santa Barbara Airport was closed because of flooding, right? Yeah, for uh, commercial flights, uh, flights in general, they, they shut it down because the runways were flooded. Uh, and yeah, the San Francisco airport, LAX, they've had a, a lot of delays as well. Firefighters have been extremely busy. I was out today with the, the L.A. Fire Department. When they got a report, they thought there was a six-year-old boy who'd been swept away in the L.A. River. The L.A. River is typically a dry concrete basin. That is where they filmed Grease in, yeah. in the, the racing scene and a lot of other movies as well. Um, but it's a raging river right now. They never did find the boy. They're hoping that the boy was not actually in the river, but they set up nets. They put buoys in to see how the water was flowing and how quickly he would have moved. Uh, they, all they knew was a six-year-old boy wearing a white T-shirt, and, and they never found him, and, and hopefully he wasn't in there. That's a terrible story, Alex. Uh, but you mentioned San Francisco, L.A. I mean, there's 10 hours difference between those two cities. How big is a storm? It is huge. It's uh, the entire uh, length of California, and now most of Northern California is more the wind. Three people have died in that area because of trees coming down, and that has kind of moved on. Now it is the the rain and the the wind as well, but mainly the the rain that is coming into just primarily Southern California and sitting over this area. So now it's kind of uh, unique to what's going on in in the southern part of the state. But yesterday. It was a wind and rain event in Northern California, and, and, and now that's moving on. But it's just bizarre because you look at the radar, and it is this line that just keeps coming in over the L.A. area out of the ocean and then kind of goes off into the desert and, and just kind of disappears. But it just continues in, and it's going to do that through tomorrow night. You always think of Southern California as being the most beautiful weather in the country. and uh, you know that Yeah, Albert, not right now. Yeah, that, <laughs> that Albert Hammond is full of crap. But uh, what <laughs> has there ever been a hurricane in California? Uh, no, but... Um, we did get a tropical storm this last year, which was uh, quite unusual. It, it just almost was a hurricane when it got to L.A., and uh, then it went down 
adjust to the, the tropical storm strength. That was unusual. I've covered a lot of hurricanes in my career. This felt like a hurricane last night with the pressure being so low and the rain so hard and the wind so hard that it, it, you know, everything was going sideways and hard to, to stand. It, it, was, it was unique last night. Um, but a, a hurricane, I'm sure, somewhere in history, something that technically was a hurricane probably hit. But we're far enough north and the, the water is cold enough that typically when a hurricane is coming up, Mexico, up Baja, California, it dies out before it gets here. But, uh, but the weather has been unique. Uh, I, whenever I go on vacation, I love to turn on the local news to get a, kind of a, a, ta- a local flavor, you know. And you just said Angelinos. That's what you guys call yourselves, right? And then yep. what did you call this storm? It's a Pineapple Express? Yeah, there's uh, there are all the terms. Atmospheric River, Pineapple Express. Pineapple Express is the uh, the winds, the, the trade winds that bring in the rain from Hawaii. And it is mm-hmm. just a direct line from Hawaii into California during this time of the year. The warmer storms, this has been that. Uh, so there hasn't been a lot of snow yet. But tonight that's going to change because of the, uh, the part that came out of Alaska. It's going to get cold tonight. And so people in the mountains around L.A., they're being told it is going to be come tomorrow feet of snow where they're not going to be able to get out. Last year, there were a bunch of people who got trapped for, you may remember, like three weeks in the mountains. And people were severely injured and they could not get out. They couldn't get medical help. They've been warned if they don't leave or if they're not already out, they're going to get trapped in the mountains come tonight. It's, it's a lot more moisture coming in. And is that a weather event that happens every year? I mean, does everybody that grows up in Southern California know Pineapple Express from the weather people? Because when that movie came out, I was like, oh, that's a weird name for a movie. But you guys are probably like, oh, yeah, the weather event. Yeah, no, that I, I believe they named marijuana that in that movie, that that was the strain of marijuana. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Pineapple Express is typically during an El Nino year, which we're arguably in one of those right now. Uh, that that that's what brings in all the the rain that you'd see in an El Nino year is the, the Pineapple Express. So it's not every year, but it's something that people grow up with in the southern part of the state in Southern California. Um, that it's a, a relatively common thing, but not normally to this extent. In the last uh, 24 hours, parts of LA have gotten almost a foot of rain, uh, right around uh, 11 inches of rain. That is a lot of rain to, to hit in a 24-hour period, yeah. and. That's why it turns into to mudslides and flooding. It's got to go somewhere. Wow. Well, Alex Stone, stay safe. You got it. Thank you, guys. How about that? Man. Pineapple Express. I had no idea what he was talking about, and I immediately thought of the movie as well. I'm like, what? Lots of people happily clocking out on a Monday afternoon, but we've got more to get to. We've got our top five at five. We'll talk a little sports with KTRA sports director Brendan Weesey. We'll talk a little entertainment news, and then, and only then, we'll wrap this show up with some random. So I hope you'll continue to hang out with us here on the Heidi Glau Show with Josh Gilbert on the Big 550 KTRS. And now, and now, the, the top, top five, five at five. five. News five. from around the room. All right, this is a sweet story and maybe one that uh, a lot of parents can relate to. A New Jersey mom shared a very touching moment between her daughter and a store cashier. Marianne was uh, 
at a Dollar Tree with her mom and her two-year-old daughter, who's also named Mary Ann. And she said it was right around her nap time. I knew that we had to wrap things up quickly and get home. Otherwise, it was going to be meltdown city. Well, just as the mom suspected, little Mary Ann started to cry. But to her surprise, Fatima, a mom of two herself and a Dollar Tree assistant manager, swooped in to help. She allowed me to pick her up, and I had to start scanning the things that her mom put up on the register that she was buying. And that calmed the two-year-old down a little bit. She even cracked a smile. She stopped crying. I said, you're a fast learner. So I let her keep ringing up everything. How smart is this woman? And she stopped crying after that, and she was all good again. Even though it was a short interaction, Marianne said it made a world of difference, not just for her daughter, but for herself. Because in a moment like that, you're struggling, your patients are thin, She said it instantly changed her mood because it distracted her from now how tired she was and how much she didn't want to be there, how much she wanted to be picked up by me. And it was just the act of kindness from a stranger. Anyway, the cashier, the assistant manager, said she did what she thought was a normal reaction and what came naturally to her. That's just how I am as a human. If I see somebody hurting, I see children crying, I don't like to see it. I don't want to see them hurting. I like to make the next person's day. So I thought that was pretty sweet and how simple it is maybe to just ease somebody else's day. And that is so true with kids like that. You just have to find something mm-hmm. to get them distracted Focus on when that else. meltdown is coming on, you know, make them laugh, do something. I mean, I'll throw myself on the floor. I'll go in a public place. If it gets them to stop crying and laugh, I'll run out in the parking lot and get hit by a car. No, don't if be it, ridiculous. If it makes him laugh and present prevents a, a meltdown, well, holy cow. Getting hit is going to cause a few other issues. Uh, it is uh, something that we've been lucky that, knock on wood, never had a blowout in public. Whoa. And we've never really had a, a massive meltdown. Are you taking them in public? In public. That's why we stay at home. I was going to say, that's <laughs> why. Avoid the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Super Bowl is coming up on Sunday. We are a week away. So crazy. And it is... You know, we just talked about Stevie Nicks concert ticket prices and and just these days everything is more expensive every time the calendar turns. Oh, what was it last year? No, now it's double. So the Super Bowl suites at Allegiant Stadium Mm -hmm. in Las Vegas. I mean, this is their first Super Bowl ever. It's in Vegas, which is crazy. It, that's mostly like corporations, though, right? That have the suites. Having the suites? I don't know because there was a story that came out that Christian McCaffrey's mom, Lisa, she's got a podcast and she was lamenting the fact that the Allegiant suites were so expensive that she wouldn't be able to get one for the family to go watch them play in the Super Bowl. And he is, you know, for my money, Connor, is probably going to be Super Bowl MVP if they win this game you on think? Sunday night. Christian McCaffrey, a uh, big part of this team. And uh, she was lamenting the fact that suites at Allegiant 
stadium in Las Vegas for this Super Bowl are $2.5 million for one football game. I wish I was surprised by that, but I'm not. I mean, I kind of I am. am surprised. I kind I of am. But, Connor, you thought it was $50,000. That's a lot of your, money. What? No, not <laughs> for. A lot of money. We're talking about Super Bowl, just a ticket at the even top of the, you know, with your back against the wall. I know. I mean, that's $2,000. that's ridiculous to me. No, I that's can't. not. No, you can't go to the Super Bowl for $2,000. Well, no I mean, I can't believe sitting. it. I couldn't believe it. 20 seats. In these suites, you can look them up online to see what they look like. They look fancy, but nothing out of the ordinary. If anyone's ever been to a suite for work or whatever, you know, nothing crazy. I just feel like they're pushing people out. Nothing right? two and a half. pushing a lot of people well, who, out. Who can afford this? Right. Especially when I can watch it on the CBS. The hedge fund managers. I was also interested because how many – they always go up to the, the suite. I mean, Taylor Swift's going to be in one. Mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey's mom is going to be in one. By the way, Christian McCaffrey dating Olivia Culpo, who was a um, Miss Universe in, like, 2012. And I, I could I didn't recognize any of her screen credits, but she's a model actress. She shelled out $1.5 million to help the McCaffreys have a suite on Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, there's 55 guys on a roster. Right. And sure, there's a couple of superstars, but, you know, of all this, everybody wants to go to this game. But Taylor Swift gets to go into a suite. Like McCaffrey parents get to go into a suite. I mean, at one point, you're going to run out of suites, right? Not necessarily. You know, the wide receiver, Debo Samuel's parents probably aren't going to be in a suite somewhere. Yeah, I guess you can't get a suite for every family. Yeah, right? Yeah. You're going to run out of suites. Um, so anyway, they, the prices of these things, obviously you can look up and see how much they were previously. Last year, the Super Bowl was held in Phoenix, where the Cardinals play. $400,000 average for a suite that holds 18 to 24 people at State Farm Stadium for last year's Super Bowl. So they have jumped, what, they've gone up five times that? You go back to the previous Super Bowl before that, which was at SoFi Stadium when the Rams um, beat the Bengals, and they don't—they didn't even list the prices of the suites because you ain't gonna get in. Uh, previous suites, Raymond James Stadium in Tampa, you could get a suite for in the hundreds of thousands. In Miami. You could get a suite for six hundred and eighty thousand dollars. So okay, all right. Doesn't that kind of show like how? Blown out of proportion, it's got now. I don't and the, I would, only in the last couple of years. I don't want to go to a Super Bowl. I'm gonna say it right now, unless you give me free tickets, I don't even know if I'd go then. I'd probably want to just sell them. Well, well I, I wouldn't know that much. Yeah. yeah, I am different in that respect. I love to experience those sorts of things. I think the live experience is something that is. I mean, maybe not every year, but to go once, it's pretty cool to just be in the room and to be able to share those stories later. But, but it's not for everybody. To see these pri- it just makes me mad. It's like the only people that can go to a, a Paul McCartney concert or a Super Bowl are billionaires. But that's not necessarily the case. I mean, these are the initial costs. Now, this one... Probably, but at the end, the prices have already dropped by five grand. Last week they were ten grand. 
Now tickets into the Super Bowl are five. Are, By the are time, they? Okay. Yes. By the time you get a little bit closer to it, it's the same thing like you were talking about the upcoming concert. And I can, I mean, this is Elton John when he was here. Mm-hmm. Initially, the prices were crazy. $800 a ticket. I waited until the day of, and I paid less than $100 for each ticket. You just have to know how to play the system. On yeah. the strip on Sunday, will there be scalpers? Yes. And, you know, all oh, right, that'll be $22,000 for two tickets. And you're like, yeah. oh, let me get my wallet out. It's like out. when uh, Kramer and George were scalping for the opera. Yeah. Right? yeah. Pagliacci. I got two here. Yeah. So I, I, when it comes to prices being that high, how do you even scalp those? Well, I mean, there's, unfortunately. I mean, that's, like, that's like holding $25,000 in your hand saying, come and get me. There. Mm. Is obviously a market for it, or they wouldn't be doing it. It's yeah. just not you. You're right. not the, you know, target. Could Darren do it? Probably. I don't know. But twenty five grand for a Super Bowl game that might even be out of Darren's realm. He might be well, too sensible yeah. for that. Uh, but it's like, all right, let me just cash app you twenty five thousand dollars. How do you pay a scalper for a ticket? On the day of the game, on the street. But I mean, you want to talk about disparities and where we stand? Have you paid attention to Mahomes and Purdy? And Brock Purdy is only set to receive about three point yeah. seven million dollars over four years. Yeah. And then you have you know Mahomes making four hundred and forty six million dollars more than yes. Purdy. So I thought it was great point. Russell Wilson won the Super Bowl in the the mid, you know, 2010s and he was still on his rookie contract making $800,000. Mm-hmm. Winning the Super Bowl. Right. Who did he beat? Did he beat Brady? And Brady's on the the other side of the line making 25 mil. So, who did or did No, they beat the, they beat Broncos. the Broncos. Yeah, that was Peyton that was Manning. the game that Peyton Manning got blown out by like 50 points. Yeah. Wow. Connor. Uh all right, the dairy industry is competing and fighting with the uh, alternative milk, I guess. I saw an article on this, like, maybe even last year on CBS Sunday mm-hmm. morning. So it, this is like the almond milks, the yep. soy milks, those kind of milks. They're mad at them, or I don't know, mad is maybe not the right word, but they're com- they're fighting them to change the word that they use on their products uh-huh. from milk. They say it's not milk comes from almonds, it comes from soy or, you know, whatever whatever product it comes from. It's not milk. It's not from an animal. The FDA commissioner, uh, Scott Gottlieb, said once an almond doesn't lactate, therefore it can't have milk. Uh-huh. So what are they supposed to call it? So soy I don't, water? They don't really, they don't know what they, they don't present juice? a solution. They oat, just say, they, juice. they want to say <laughs> that it's not milk because it's not. Can the, you call it a juice if you don't squeeze it like an orange juice or a pineapple juice or a. Does the dairy council own the word milk? I don't think I don't, so. They, they seem to think they're presenting to the FDA that it's it, only if it comes from a lactating yeah. animal. You have to milk That it, it. is milk. And their big problem with it is that, it, you know, if you go to the supermarket in the milk aisle, it's the regular milk, the cow's milk next to all the almond milks. They're right there in the milk section. It says milk on it. They think it's, t- you know, crowding their, their business because it's not, you know, if you're not buying about, cow's milk, that's yeah. that's all they care about. What about that, uh, that protein, muscle milk? Mm-hmm. They have to change their name too then. Is there not dairy in it? I, I don't know. I thought mm. muscle milk did have a little dairy. I thought I think that might have a little dairy. Yeah, does it? I, I mean, uh-huh. this is even in Congress. There's some 
push. It's bipartisan, although it's predictably from states that have a big dairy industry like sure. Vermont and Wisconsin. Now, California, I think, has the most dairy cows. But they also have the most almonds, right? That's where all the almonds really? get grown. Right? Uh-oh. Uh, so they're, they're pushing it forward. Uh, Rep. Mike Simpson from Idaho says that he doesn't care what they label it. Uh, he says he has no problem with almond drink. That's what he calls it. Oh, but it shouldn't God. be called milk. That sounds terrible. Yeah. <laughs> almond drink, I think, probably needs a little work. That sounds awful. I don't like it either. Uh, but I don't know. It's Oat not drink. It's not milk. It's just uh, it's just almond. Uh, you know, I can see both sides. Almond this. drink, and we were talking about it in the office a few days ago last week. Uh, you know, do you drink those things? Those soy milks, the almond milks. I do. I like oat milk. I like oat milk. I like almond milk occasionally, but I like the real dairy milk as yeah. well. I like it too, but it's not milk to me, so I kind of think they have a point. Maybe they should call it something else. It's not part they of should the... call it, you know, almond drink. Well, almond, somebody said we've called juice. the juice from coconuts coconut milk for years. Yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah. That's got to be taken away. They, well, it's in there. It's listed in there. All Is it really? The, yeah, all, all the milks, them. the quote-unquote milks. We, I like oat milk in my coffee, but I haven't necessarily tried to eat a bowl of cereal with it yet or just drink a straight glass of it yet, so I don't know what it tastes like on its own. But one of the texters said that they eat cereal at night, a nice healthy cereal, and uh, they say they do it to maintain uh, a healthy diet. And I said, well, what kind of milk are you using? And they said vitamin D. Yeah. Once we started buying vitamin D for Finn, we've had this conversation on the air. You and I. Mm-hmm. What milk do you buy? And what color is the top? Once we started buying in vitamin D, I'll never go back. You like it better. I'll never go back to the blue cap, 2%. Definitely won't go to that skim or 1% stuff. I think whole milk tastes better. My mom had a doctor who said if you're going to drink milk, just do the- drink the real thing because by the time you go with all the others, you know, it's. You're missing out on all the nutritional values of it. How about this? Speaking of my mom, who's a retired teacher, a group of current and former staffers at a middle school in Florence, Kentucky, are celebrating this week after they played the Kentucky Powerball and won $1 million. Now, the group calls themselves the Jones 30 because it's called Rector A. Jones Middle School. And every person that won has either walked the halls of Jones at some point Uh, 13 of us are still here, 17 are at other schools, other districts, or retired. One of our retired math teachers organized this group of 30 people. We all put money in, and she's just been keeping it going for the last two or three years. She plays the same numbers every single week. Every week she sends us a picture of our ticket in the group chat thread, so we all see the ticket. We know that it's purchased before the drawing. We know it's our ticket. Well, this week, she said, I think we've won. And they're like, no. Like, they're all kind of looking at it. And she's like, no, I really think we won. You guys need to double check the numbers. And so they double checked. And after several others learned the numbers matched up, the caravan of the Jones 30 traveled together after school let out to collect their winnings. Now that they've won big, uh, they're just happy that the school kind of gets to see a little bit of the spotlight. We have a very special population of students here. We just want everybody to know that we're here. I'm very happy that the world is getting to know the Jones Middle School and getting to know our students and that we are getting the exposure that they deserve. So they got all of the numbers right and then missed the Powerball. 
Ugh. After they divided the $1 million equally, each member of the Jones 30 got about $33,000, which after taxes was twenty four grand. So not a bad uh, day. Not a bad haul. Uh, I think, like, if if the Powerball regular numbers go up to 72, I think the Powerball itself only goes up to, like, 60 or something. On the numbers? Yeah, so it's easy. I think it's easier to get the Powerball because um, there's not as many numbers out there to choose from. But Is that's... this your math? No, I think – no. I My math is terrible. I think that's what they did when they increased – the number they wanted to make it harder to win so that they could have bigger jackpots to sucker people like me into mm-hmm. buying tickets. But I think they increased the five numbers, but they never increased the Powerball, which is good because you want to, you know, if I'm just playing randomly, I want to win something every now and then. Got to keep me on the line a little bit. All right. I haven't thought about music piracy in years. Remember Napster? Oh, yeah. Remember LimeWire? I do not remember that one. That was the one that they had in college when I was, you know, 2002. Yeah, it's old school now. It's old school. But music piracy kind of went away. But they're saying it's back in a big time. And over the past seven years, it's been in decline, music piracy, people stealing music. Because artists and labels stopped offering exclusive album releases to certain music platforms. So follow me. Beyonce's Lemonade was only released on Tidal. Right. Which is some weird thing that Jay-Z invented. It was just a streaming service that they they were going to make their own. But unless you had it, you couldn't buy, you couldn't go to Vintage Vinyl and buy and Beyonce's buy album. Frank Ocean did the same thing. Apple Music had, you know, what was that... Uh, what was that U2 album that everybody who had, had iTunes when you got? A phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just we automatically. Why am I listening to U2? Well, I thought that the first time my mom had a phone, I'm like, why do you have U2 yeah. on here? I'm like, oh, they imposed everybody. it on everyone. You have to listen to U2. Well, when they only put them on certain platforms, people were like, well, I don't want to sign up for Tidal. I don't even know what it is, but I want that Beyonce album. So they went out and they stole it. They downloaded it or had somebody, you know, burn it to a CD for them, and they took it. Well, they don't really do that anymore, so people didn't really have a need to steal it. It was out there. But now that people are basically listening almost full-time on their phones from streaming services, they're realizing this is getting really expensive to stream, and my data usage has gone up and all this stuff. They find it's easier to steal the songs again how? Make them MP3s and listen to them on their phone as MP3s rather than stream them through a service. That seems like a lot of work. It charges but... you data. YouTube has kind of an extension. It's pirated. It's not legal. It is not part of YouTube's mission statement. But you can take a clip from YouTube and turn it into an MP3 in like 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. And that's what a lot of people are doing to steal music these days, but they're blaming it on the fact that Wi-Fi, streaming, mobile data, all this stuff, people just want to own songs again rather than just stream them all the time. Oh, you can listen to anything you want. You just have to sign up to Spotify streaming Yeah, forever. I don't have a problem with that. And then when you stop paying for you cancel your Spotify, all those albums are gone. 
if you buy yeah, an but album. Spotify is free unless you uh, want it to be commercial free. You're not paying for anything other than your data. And can if you have you Wi-Fi. But listen to a song on demand? Yes. Can you listen to a whole album on demand? Yes. Even if you don't pay for Spotify? Yes. It's just going to be really? commercials popping up well, in so there. On mobile, though, right, Heidi, if you don't pay for it, you can't pick the song you want to play, right? You can hit play. And you can hit shuffle on the, the album or not, but you can't go and say, I want I want this song right right now, right? You can. I, I was that wasn't I don't know, my that, impression. That wasn't the way it was when I was in school and yeah, but was how using long the, is that the been? free the free Spotify yeah. in those days. But I'm just saying try it now. Right. I do pay for it. So but I that was just to skip all the commercials. So I haven't gone back to that now. But part of the reason I paid for it is because I could do the albums. The last time I used Spotify, maybe I just need to dig into it deeper, but I said, I want to hear this song, and they played that song, but then it played a bunch of other songs like it, not necessarily it depends would allow on how me you to play the whole up. album. You, you have to go and set it up the way you want. It's not just a simple... Right. But the headlines are that music piracy, people stealing music is back... Because streaming music takes up way too much of their Wi-Fi data. Hmm. So. Do you remember those old anti-piracy ads? Like, it's like you wouldn't download a car. Oh yeah, yeah. yes, <laughs> I do remember those. Uh-huh. Those came out like, uh, and I remember those Truth uh, commercials to get the people Truth. To stop I remember, sm- yeah, that was kind of scary. Yeah, those were kind of actually did that they work? Good, that was a good campaign, but you're. That's a good point. Did they even work? Yeah, that's, that's the interesting point. I'll tell you what uh, works is the model that Confluence Academies has adopted. Confluence Academies is a nonprofit public charter school system, and it really strives to be the highest quality pre-collegiate education to students starting pre-K all the way through high school. And what I think they do a little bit differently is they really provide these different opportunities for students that it's it's just it's more than the English and the math and the science. They provide all of these interesting, unique opportunities that require students to use their heads a little differently. Like there are different uh, things that require critical thinking or maybe then they have this experience that really taps into creativity. And the one that I like the most because I just think it it's overlooked, there are experiences that really teach kids empathy. And when you put all of that together with the typical learning that is being done at all of Confluence Academies, then you get, uh, you know, kind of the whole student. And it really teaches kids to become leaders in our society. So there's the Grand Center Arts Academy. There's the Aspire Academy, the South City Campus, the Confluence Prep Academy, and Old North Campus. But what is cool, and if you uh, have an artistic kid in your family, whether that be vocally, musically, uh, if they're great with a, a paintbrush and a canvas, or they like the stage and they're funny or they want to act. Well, Confluence is doing a uh, Grand Center Arts Camp. And so your kid doesn't have to be registered at Confluence Academies, but they can go to this camp for either one week or two. It's July 8th through the 19th. And they will be taught by industry professionals in the areas of instrumental and vocal music, theater, dance, visual arts. And it's just a a small fee of like $40 for class materials. And that is nothing if you've ever looked at camps for your kids. Enrollment is happening right now for the uh, 
Confluence Academy's Grand Center Arts Camp. Uh, you can enroll now through July 5th. Just go to grandcenterartsacademy.org. Time to talk a little sports with KTR Sports Director Brenda Weezy. Good to see you. Good day, Heidi. Josh, how are we doing? Well, the Battle Hawks schedule is out. So they just shifted the entire season back a few weeks, months? Which I think it was, well, a couple months, which I think was necessary when you consider last year. It started right after the Super Bowl. You don't give people a chance to miss football. Give them at least a few weeks. Mm-hmm. It, it it seemed too soon. I, I think this, this timing, it's good. It, it's going to concentrate on a on a pretty busy time, certainly here locally for sports. Cardinals opening up, Blues winding down the regular season. You've got uh, the Final Four going on NCAA tournament. There'll be a ton happening, but I think Battlehawk fans pretty pumped up. I, I, you know, the WWE is in town tonight down at Enterprise Center, and The Wrestling. Rock. The Rock has been no. inserted. Into their main storyline now, no. and I wonder if he's not going to uh, show up. Show up tonight? And maybe a make, uh, maybe make a battle hawk announcement Ooh. of some sort. I know everybody's speculating that the dome will host the uh, UFL championship game, and uh, maybe maybe the Rock shows up tonight and makes that announcement along with I, his WrestleMania plans. I think I saw a story that said we definitely have it. So I don't think it's final yet, right. but I, I think that's the uh, the the. Growing assumption. Is this a uh, wrestling thing? Is this a pay per view event or is this Monday like night? Monday, Monday night, night Raw, Raw tonight. Okay. It, they're on the road to WrestleMania, but The Rock is now a part of the. Uh, uh, the we're, we're going deep into the weeds here in wrestling, but TKO they own the UFC. They recently also bought the WWE, and The Rock just recently joined the board of directors at TKO. Oh, so he boy. is he may now have uh, some input on the wrestling product to go along with, obviously, everything he's doing with, with pro sleep? football. I, it's, a, it's a very good question. I don't know that he does. I saw a an interview with Usher over the weekend. He said he gets four hours every night. Yes. Oh. Doesn't seem like enough. No. That sounds terrible. It does. <laughs> So, uh, Cardinals have packed up. When do pitchers and catchers report? Is so that right around the corner? It will be a week from Wednesday. Whoa. And then the following Monday would be the full squad workout. So, two weeks from today, we are on the fast track to baseball games Man. that count, if you can believe it. That is crazy. And then this uh, headline, Mizzou Athletics receives a record $62 million in donations. Is this from one person? It's from one person. And we don't know who. We don't know who. There is. Who's I don't got, know. If, who's got that kind of money? Well, if you if you search through various uh, the various streets of social media this afternoon, there is speculation. I'm not sure I want to mention who that speculation uh, is. Bill, Bill Laurie? Stan Kroenke? Oh, well, you named one of them right there. Rex Sinkfeld? <laughs> <laughs> um, but a lot of money will go towards, I believe, some 50 of that 62 going towards the Memorial Stadium improvements. Uh-huh. And then another chunk of that money going towards essentially their NIL fund. Wow. Mm. So this could make a big impact on Huge Mizzou impact. Athletics. Huge impact. Uh, no doubt about it. And I, I, I think it shows that Mizzou 
as of right now, they're, I mean, it, to me, it's a statement being made. We're here to play with the big boys. This is, uh, we're, we're no longer little Mizzou after what they did this past football season. I was going to say, is, how much does this have to do with the recent football season? It certainly couldn't have hurt, right? Uh, yeah. I don't know who donated this money, but if we had lost three games, would it have been a $45 million donation? If we had won, beat LSU, would it have been a $75 million Since donation? Since we don't know who donated the money, I, I'd say I, I, I can't answer oh, that question. I'm, just, I'm getting an alert by my phone. Oh, the North End Zone is now going to be called the Page Sports End Zone. <laughs> right? No, 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 no. That yeah, wow. was a disaster. Anything else happening in the sports world? Well, we've got, um, well, you know, it was funny, yesterday... There wasn't a lot going on as we're in that the, the slow time before mm-hmm. the Super Bowl, and the PGA Tour event got banged at um, at Pebble Beach because of the uh, the, rain. the rain out there, and there was damage apparently done at Pebble Beach. Uh, they canceled it then today, so that wound, wound up being a three round tournament. But I actually watched some of Live. Ugh, believe it or not, I watched. Uh, uh, that's funny because I was flipping through and did too. Is there no dress code for Live? They can wear shorts. They can wear whatever they ju- want. Right. They can wear shorts. That's doesn't what struck that, me. Can they doesn't ride in golf carts? No. Oh. But doesn't, doesn't yes. that just make yeah. <laughs> it feel right? A, a little gimmicky. Less and a little, than. Yes. Because I was like, 100%. what am I watching? And so Joaquin Neiman won. He beat Sergio Garcia in a playoff. They somehow got in, I think, the fourth playoff hole in basically total darkness. They have a giant, you know, live. They've got all these bells and whistles. They've got this huge screen on the 18th green that was basically keeping it illuminated that they could uh, take their final shots. and, And Joaquin Neiman won the event. And he's a very good player. And had he stayed on the PGA Tour, probably talking about a guy at worst is in the top 20, but he's fallen off all of the automatic qualifying uh, rankings that would put him into the Masters or put him into the U.S. Open. So he's not in any of those majors. There's there's some people griping today about that. I, I, to me, it's it, it's pretty simple. You made the call to go to live. You took the money. You're a very good golfer. We all realize that. Any, anybody knows that the current official world golf rankings, they, they do not account for the kind of golf for somebody yeah. like Joaquin Neiman is. But you made that call. You play in a tricked-out league that plays three rounds, that has small fields. What It is not incumbent upon the official world golf rankings to just say, yeah, we'll go, we'll go ahead and, uh, and mm-hmm. include you in. There was a story that said that they were going to try to merge both brands, the PGA and Liv. They're still trying. But they missed a deadline at the end of the year to come That's up with. That's been extended. Right. To come up with a, a decision on how they were going to do that. So until then, I guess you could still watch Live events on Channel 11, you right? Can. The CW. I think, I think they should all have to. Be forced to wear those Payne Stewart funny pants. Oh, you think? <laughs> yeah. I kind of liked Payne Stewart's gonna, pants. It, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you're going to make it gimmicky, let's really come out, okay, on the back nine, you've got to wear a blindfold. Yeah. On, this hole, <laughs> yes. on this hole, you can only use your putter. Now uh-huh. you're talking. On this hole, you've got to throw your golf ball. Yes. So I mean, let's, really, let's really dive Sign into me this up. thing. Well, you know what I did enjoy, and I only caught the end of it, but with all of the Pro Bowl, all of the different kind of activities, 
studies. I love seeing just how athletic these guys are because they were like teeing off on a par three and it was closest to the pin. And it was just ridiculous. And this was bull. Yeah. <laughs> how cool. For football. They, for football <laughs> how boy. close they could get to it. it. It is incredible to me. Now, obviously, most people don't. The, the all-star games matter so little now. Baseball is the only one that has somehow managed to keep its relevancy mm-hmm. to a certain degree. They just, why even call it. it the, just cancel it. And, and I understand there are people that, but now the fact that it's this goofy flag football skills competition, I can't, I, I don't think you can legitimately bet on that. That was the one excuse of continuing with the Pro Bowl. It's like, well, you'll have people watch. You can bet on it, this, that, and the other. Who watches the Pro Bowl now for, again, more than just, what, just see, what are they doing now? Yeah, what, what well, could that they, is kind of, ex- like the centers were, they had this big board where they had holes cut in it and one was five points and one was four and they were seeing you know and they were different sizes and it, yeah it's ridiculous did, did anyone know or even care about what happened in the nhl also i was game? just gonna say do you know that do you know <laughs> that it happened this week yeah. and it did believe it or not and again something else to where they completely destroyed its relevancy when they decided oh, we're going to do West versus East or something, uh, some sort of equivalent. Nah, we're going to have some of the bigger stars basically captain a team and pick a team like you would out in recess, and, and that's our all-star game. What a complete joke. Again, just discontinue it. Yeah. Nobody watches. Nobody cares. And at least before, when you did it in a way that was somewhat you know, conformed to a, a normal sporting event, you could at least showcase your stars. But they don't want to participate anymore. So now <laughs> just you're just grasping. It. Just yeah, you're right. It. What do you got coming up tonight? We've got Martin's show at 6 o'clock. Martin will be joined by Kevin Kugler, just play-by-play for uh, NFL and college basketball. Uh, Jim Edmonds will be along oh. as well. Tiger Talk at 7 God love those Tigers, and uh, we'll talk some Valley Hoops, the Valley on the Big 550 at 8 o'clock tonight. All right, we'll be listening. Thanks, Thanks, Brandon. Heidi. Thanks, Josh. All right, it's been fun, but it's time to wrap this show up with a couple randoms. In 2021, Lego used the sounds of its bricks to create a relaxing white noise album that you can stream off Apple Music or Spotify right now. Seriously? Did, I mean, did, you know, the bricks going together. You ever play the the Lego video game? Don't you just immediately think of stepping on so one and it the loses sound. the whole yeah. thing? Oh. But putting them together is the sound? I think so. Mm. Or maybe like a whole... You ever go to the Lego store and they got the bins and you just kind of run your hand That's what through. I was going to say. You just dump out all the stuff? Yeah. Um... Only one disco album ever won a Grammy for Album of the Year. Saturday Night Fever soundtrack won the Album of the Year. It's also only one of three movie soundtracks to win that award. Saturday Night Fever, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, oh, yeah. remember T-Bone Burnett yes. got up there? And the Bodyguard soundtrack. One album of the year. One al- Well, it had I Will Always Love You. Yeah. And my personal favorite, I Have Nothing. It's a good one. And the oldest university in the Americas is National University of San Marcos in Peru. It's been running continuously since May of 1551. The oldest university in the U.S., Mm -hmm. Harvard, Uh, 1636. And the oldest university in the world, there's one in Morocco and the University of Bologna in Italy. 
1088, still running to this day. That is interesting. Well, you guys, thanks for hanging out with us. Hopefully you'll come back starting at 3 o'clock tomorrow. And until then, see if you can put a smile on somebody's face.